Hello and welcome to Spirit Pig. This is the show that explores how to live a fulfilled life. I'm Duncan CJ and today I'm speaking with Margot Anand. Margot is an international best-selling author and the world's leading authority on Tantra, who has been credited as being the first to bring Tantra to the West. She speaks and teaches all around the globe and is the founder of nine sky dancing Tantra institutes worldwide, which inspire ecstatic living through sexual spiritual integration. She has worked with the likes of Tony Robbins and Deepak Chopra, the latter who says that she has a great understanding of, of how sexual energy is the creative energy of the universe and how to use that energy to bring about transformation and healing. Margot calling in from Bali today. You've just given me a tour of your beautiful, beautiful house. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you for uh, having me. Now, I want to ask you a question. What got you uh, to call your uh, endeavor Spirit Pig? I know. I think on reflection, I'm probably like, I, I, people often like, what? That's the most bizarre name ever. Um, it started off as, I was kind of brainstorming ideas and I was thinking, is it some sort of like spiritual review, being in high spirits, being happy? being like a guinea pig, like testing out the best stuff out there. So we're talking to meditation experts and talking to quantum physicists, entrepreneurs, um, being a pig, sort of just being hungry, scuffing up, scoffing up the best information out there. So some combination of high spirit, spiritual guinea pig, something along those lines. Spirit. Okay, pig. I get it. <laughs> uh-huh. I also okay. thought I, I didn't want it to, I didn't want it to be taking itself too seriously. So I was kind of avoiding the sort of, I don't know, conscious mind something radio i just thought it's a bit playful it's a bit tongue-in-cheek so that's where spirit yeah. Pig was born about two or three years ago okay <laughs> all right get it now right back to you sex has been loaded over centuries and centuries with so much so much taboo in what ways has that shaped the societies we live in today uh, well, it's shaping it all the time, uh, but it, it very much depends on the generational gaps. And I have had the good fortune in this last uh, six months world tour of teaching and launching my book in very many countries that I was able to teach uh, sky dancing tantra to people called the millennials in America, which are people your age there between 20 and 35, I'd say. And then after that, I went to a high-end place in Costa Rica called Blue Spirit Retreat, which is the branch of uh, Omega Institute in America, the sort of the top seminar-leading venues, very professional. An incredible place, so beautiful. And there I was teaching with celebrities, uh, many great people. And the people that were attending uh, this week long, which was expensive, were people that were between, let's say, their 50s, 60s, 70s, and that were paying triple the amount of money. And um, so I realized that the millennials uh, look at sexuality much more freely and they're willing to explore and they don't have so many ready-made ideas about monogamy versus polyamory and you can do this and not that, mostly because they haven't had children yet. Uh, or because they just had children and they're into the monogamous uh, tra- part of their life. But um, they're ready to jump in. They're ready to jump out of the box. Uh, they'll try anything and everything. They're happy and exploring. Whereas, And that's, that's the, the secret of eroticism. 
you know, the erotic energy needs adventure. It needs the unknown. It needs change. It needs surprises. And then the older, the, I would call them the baby boomers, they actually were more focused on love, which is requiring continuity, which is requiring the possibility of uh, being depending on each other, relying on each other, knowing the path you're on together. You know, your children may be grown, you're back together, you want to have fun, but it's like much more, you know, in a kind of a controlled manner. And so, Consequently, the style of teaching that emerged from this was very different, you know. And uh, so how this contradiction between doubting sexuality all over the place and then making it bad because it's pornographic or because it's deviated into addictions or because it's deviated into, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, basically, it's simply because as a natural energy, it is uh, not given, uh, you know, the support of being recognized as something life-giving, something healthy. Uh, and it is recognized as such only within certain parameters, which are very controlling. And the church, for instance, the religions are very quick to want to control this energy because... If we didn't control, if they didn't control this energy, people would wake up, they would become ecstatic, they would become free, and then they would say, "Oh, well, we want to craft our own life. We don't need to follow the tracks that were set up by society. We're gonna do it our way," you know. And then all of a sudden, all these ecstatics are not paying taxes, they're not staying in the country, they're not having mortgages, they're not, you know, having debt to their university, they're not borrowing money, and, you know, all of a sudden, it's like, not fun for the machine, you know? <laughs> so, somehow, the wildness and the freedom and the bliss of sexuality is something that always needed to be controlled by everybody. You feel like the metaphor of Eve eating the apple offering the apple to Adam and then being thrown out of paradise. This, this metaphor is basically a complete blueprint for failure, isn't it, in your opinion? Yes, yes, that's exactly what I said in my book, uh, The Art of Everyday Ecstasy. First of all, uh, the uh, tree of life is the tree of the awareness of life and its origins. The apple is, the snake is basically the awakening of our sexual energy. The apple is the gift of sharing this energy consciously, uh, which was forbidden by God in that story, okay? Because then God was saying, if you become conscious and if you wake up and you don't let me do it for you, you don't let me intercede for you, you don't let me decide how it's going to happen, then you're out, you know? Um, whereas my tantric approach to this metaphor is uh, Eve offers the apple, they bite in it together. Uh, meanwhile, he penetrates her. And while they're biting and chewing the apple and the juice of the apple is running all over their body, they're making love in a tantric way. And then, you know, she goes or they go, oh, God. And at this moment, God descends and says, Oh, ye children who are well loved, 
enjoy yourself for this bliss in my revelation and it is your awakening go and prosper and create all the beauty that will be bestowed upon you on this planet and then this is the tantric version of this story (laughs) (laughs) one of the most common questions that you get asked by people is how do I get out of my head? Like whenever I start making love, I have all these thoughts getting in the way all the time. What, what do you say to them? Uh, well, I say, first of all, to recognize that our mind is our tool and it's a very useful tool and it helps us to live. So we shouldn't reject it, but we shouldn't identify with it either because then it's leading the show. So I have a trick, which is, I have two tricks. One, three tricks. <laughs> well. One is... <laughs> Watch your breath and you won't be able to listen to your thoughts. Consciously watch your breath. It'll keep you in the moment. Okay. The second trick is if your mind is telling you something, say thank you. Don't fight it. Say thank you and I'll meet you later around the corner. I'm busy now. (laughs) So you acknowledge that the mind is a part of you and you don't fight yourself with yourself. And then the third is the best. The third really works. And so you create what I call your personal mantra. You create a sentence which is in the first person singular in the present and expressing where you want to end up when you want a successful, amorous exchange. So my personal mantra was, I am an orgasmic woman. And so whenever I would enter into a lovemaking approach, my mind would come and say, oh, you're tired, and oh, it was better yesterday, you'll never make it as good today, and oh, you forgot to turn off the oven in the kitchen, and you know, 1,000 things. And then my mantra came and said, you are an orgasmic woman. And that reminded me that in order to maintain this... uh, path towards the orgasmic explosion i had to breathe i had to move my body to circulate the pleasure and i had to use ah my voice to communicate my energy to my partner and when i use the three keys to orgasmic pleasure consciously i would end up having a great time (laughs) you know three steps it's simple like one, two, yeah. three. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It works. So, so I know you've also said that like, life is not just about having more orgasms. It's about being ecstatic in every moment. Talking about that state of ecstasy, it's, it's also in your, it's amazingly easy to access. You know, you feel it's as easy to access as sleeping or dreaming. We don't need to go off and live in the Himalayas and study with masters for years and years. This is, this is available to all of us, right? Yes, it is. It is. And more and more. The more the dark forces and the conspiracies that want to control the planet, blah, 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 we've heard it 20 times, uh, are, are, you know, mounting their uh, control efforts, the more the light on the other side is making itself available to counterbalance it, you know. So it's a moment-to-moment choice. And the, the demonstration of bliss is a potential that we have to catch like we could catch a bird in flight or a bird resting on the window. Uh, it's uh, just listen, you know, just listen and, and make a choice. 
Are you going to go down or are you going to go up? Are you falling in love or are you rising in love? And this is all about the personal work you do with yourself. Are you getting stuck in your ego and your personality? Are you carrying your baggage of, I want it this way, I want it that way. If life doesn't give me this script, then I'll be unhappy. Versus wake up, become the witness of your consciousness. And at the moment when your consciousness witnesses itself, that is a gap in which you have a choice to go up or to go down. That's it. So that's it. I mean, that I was gonna, I was going to say, like, if, if ecstasy is our natural state, then how do we access it? Is is that is that is that what you'd say? <clears throat> we access it. We access it with honoring. Okay, I'll give you my formula. Perfect. Choose with awareness what brings you joy, and it will open the door to your spirit. Okay. Choose with awareness what brings you joy. And it will open the door to your spirit. That's it. Simple. Okay, so give- and, and it is not easy because we need to swim against the anti-ecstatic current that we live in. Okay, so give me an example of something. So say, okay, so I mean, these, when you say things that give you joy, I mean, is it as, as simple as walking in nature, listening to beautiful, beautiful music. Are those the kind of things you're talking about, practical things, or are we talking about deeper internal joy, like feeling connected to something bigger? Like, can you maybe give me an example? Okay, so after I had this first experience in bed, I realized that I had to listen to my sex because my sex was an alive part of myself. And I noticed over the years that my sex, my vagina, uh, had a voice. And I realized that long time before uh, Ryan Eisler uh, developed the vagina monologue, okay, I was already having a vagina monologue with my sex every morning. And I was asking her what she needed. And whatever she wanted, I gave it to her. So if she wanted a visit, she got a visit. If she wanted two visits in one day, she got two visits in one day. And so that led me to the, to the chapter in my book called Coming with God, in which I uh, was invited to spend the night by a very seductive and beautiful man at a seminar venue where I was leading a group with my partner. And so I said to this man, well, fine, but I'm here with my boyfriend, so you're going to have to go and ask him first. And my boyfriend was a tantric man, and he was a very generous man. So when when... Peter arrived and said, um, I'm totally attracted to Margot. I would like to spend the night with her. Without losing a beat, Ariel said, well, do you know how to make love to a goddess? And Peter said, no. And he said, well, let me explain you. And then he took him to the bathroom and anointed him, showered him, anointed him with essences. And then I went to the bedroom and arranged the tarot cards and the candles and everything. And then those two guys came up there in this magical environment and they started honoring me like a goddess and I honored them like gods. And it was the most incredible night of my life. Non-stop orgasm from eight o'clock at night until four in the morning. You know, one was coming out, waltzing out. The other one was waltzing in. And, of course, I, I dare say this was all before AIDS. 
and it was all before the mobile phones. It was the time when we were still quietly being civilized and there was a little more room for ecstasy because people didn't believe that information equates awakening, which it doesn't, you see. So in any case, that was a memorable night where I realized that women are not really given a chance to be as orgasmic as they can. And that when a woman can go all the way to the very end of her orgasmic potential, that's when she discovers her power, her power to be creative, her power to trust herself, her power to balance her inner man, which is the protector in her, the one who gives her trust in herself, the one who allows her the freedom to be without needing an outside person. Freedom. And, of course, the woman who is capable of feeling confident enough to surrender, to let go, to be playful, to trust, you know, and to be taken. So, so I think that, you know, every woman should be given a chance to be honored and loved that way. And I think that I was very lucky to be given that chance because it changed my life, you know. Because every epiphany that I had, the first thing I wanted to do, because I was a trained psychologist, a Western psychologist, was how do I bring this to other people? How do I turn this into a science, into a method, so that other people can have this kind of vista, this kind of over-the-top kind of experience? And this became the love and ecstasy training, which is being taught in California and Europe, and which is the most fantastic tantric training there is on the planet. You, that's it you that was i mean I, I love it like you gave us those three steps earlier like in terms of i don't know are there any other sort of techniques or exercises that people could be thinking about or doing at home or that you could share with us like what 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 what's something else which i don't know yeah there there are actually a few a few techniques one is called sexual breathing and that is a key technique because in order to be free in our sexuality, we need, I think, to move beyond the dependency, the jealousy, the neediness that we get stuck into when we stay at the genital level. We need to be able to inhale that energy to tighten our muscles and to pull it up to the heart. And then we experience a heartgasm in which we melt into each other in compassion, passion with. We are now beginning to melt and become one and recognize each other as an aspect of myself. And then we continue to move this orgasmic electricity to the throat and to the third eye, and it expands beyond the boundaries of the body, and it becomes a meditation, you know. And this is, this is the freedom and the art through simple technique of sexual breathing, which is everywhere. Every school has taken it back. It's in my books. It's, you know... On the internet, it's, you know, every article, everybody talks about it. So I'd say that's a very good one, you know. Imagine you're drinking through a straw and your sex is inhaling the vibrant energy of orgasm through your chakras instead of throwing the excitement out. And you're on a beautiful journey. You believe that without any doubt, we already have within us everything we need to be happy and fulfilled human beings. 
Uh, well, um, let's see. We are unfortunately influenced as we are born and as we grow up by a kind of an amnesia that uh, does not allow us to remember anything so that we have to start from scratch. And then we are very much influenced by our environment and we need then to find a way to free ourselves of, of, of these influences. This is the work of a lifetime, uh, you know, to be walking step by step towards, towards a more conscious appreciation of yourself, of other and of your life up to the point where you decide, is this what I want? But what you want does not depend on what you're creating outside. What you want is dependent on the relationship you have with yourself. And when you begin to do this inner work, you awaken your inner light and then things become more harmonious and the existence around you and outside of you uh, respond in synchronicity. Things happen more easily. That's the thing. What does a fulfilled life mean to you? Uh, an awakened life, an orgasmic life, a life of inner joy that is not dependent on your outside circumstances, a life that accepts whatever is given um, in humility, you know, and without comparison and taking each moment one step at a time, one orgasm at a time. And what is one thing our listeners can start doing today that will have a positive impact on their lives? Um, practice, uh, f well, find out what is an ecstatic moment that you could experience right now in your life. It could be as simple as saying, okay, I'm going to take half an hour to walk in the park. Or it could be uh, calling a friend and saying, I want to practice Tantra and I don't have, you know, a Tantric partner yet. Will you be my Tantric partner for one night? You know? This is what I did. I had a group in Paris recently at the Intercontinental Hotel with 90 people as a result of my launching my book and having conferences. 90 people who didn't know each other. And it was, it was Saturday, Saturday night and Sunday. And it was a conference ballroom in a hotel in the middle of Paris. Well, we did all these exercises. Of course, everybody was dressed. And at the end, I handed them a beautiful handout, one handout for couples, one handout for singles. And I said to them, listen, guys, you have this unique opportunity. You have been inspired by Sky Dancing Tantra today. This is something that will not happen every day. Make the best of it. Move around the room. Find a person that you want to spend this evening or this night with. And here's your handout. Here's the exercise you can recapitulate from today, take them to the next step, you know, make love, be more intimate, have a good time. And that's what they did. And the feedback that these people brought who didn't know each other when they walked in the room that they brought the next day were sensational. You know, like a woman, a young woman, 25, had, had been sexually abused and she had never been able to let go in love and to have a relaxed sexual experience. She had such an ecstatic experience that it blew away every leftover smitherens of fear and hesitation and, you know, from, from this abusive experience. She turned it around into a blissful, 
experience, you know, and there were many other such feedbacks. So it doesn't take that much. It takes the willingness. It's all around everywhere, around every street corner, which leads me to say, be careful who you study with. Okay. Don't go studying Tantra with the first charlatan that did two weekends with Margot Anand, hangs their shield on the street and says, I'm now going to teach you Tantra. This is dangerous, okay? And there's many people that are unconscious, uh, unconscious and, and, and not in their integrity. They think that they can pick their personal harem in, you know, the people in their group room. And this is wrong, okay? This is not what Freud explained when he talked about transference and counter-transference, you know? You don't want to be doing that with your participants. You want to be a midwife. You want to help them be born. You don't want to tell them, come here, baby. Let me show you how it works, you know, and then take advantage of your position and their position. So that's my perspective. So look at the person you're going to work with. What fruits did the tree bear until now? What have they produced? What are the people around them saying? How did they benefit from their work? you know, et cetera, et cetera. And in the old days, the Tantra Shastras were teaching that only this one who had been, uh, who had received the blessing of an enlightened master or mistress was legitimately allowed to become a teacher in the field of Tantric awakening. Because Tantra is not a sexual science. It's first and foremost a science of awakening. It's a mystical science. But it's one of the rare paths that incorporates sexual energy as a part of the potential for this awakening. Margot, oh. how can people find out more about you and your work? Where can we send them? We send them to www.margotanand.com on my website and they should go to the to the category that is called treasures and there they can subscribe and they will have about 80 different things available me giving conferences with Deepak Chopra me giving conferences to politicians about meditation power and politics uh, my film you know with 60 students showing my various exercises everything is there so that would be one very good approach. Margot, thank you so much for coming on today, for speaking of us and sharing those exercises. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on board.